Okay. Hi, good morning, everybody. Uh, I am grateful to see each and every one of you here today. Let's make our way to the front here. Grab a chair, but don't sit down just yet if you're making your way to your chair. Let's stand up together. And our opening song is just uh, one of my favorite songs of just simple praise and worship taken right from the Lord's Prayer. And it goes like this. Here we go. Father in heaven, here we go. Yours 
kick off the morning, don't you think? Being reminded of those truths. There's something else awesome to celebrate. One, two, three. Just one word. Just one word. From the storm that surrounds me, just one word, the darkness has to retreat. Just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. Oh, just one touch, my eyes were open to see. Can't help but believe there's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that He can move. Oh, praise the name that makes the way. There's nothing that our God can't do. Just one word, you hear what's broken inside me. Yes, you do. Just one word, and you revive every dream. Just one touch, I feel the power of heaven. Oh, just one touch, my eyes are open to see. My heart can't help but believe. There's nothing that There's nothing that I got can't do. There's not a prison wall he can't break through. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that I got can't do. I will believe. I will believe. Oh, greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. 
Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power. One more time, church. Let her believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Oh, yeah. Like the power of Jesus. And there's nothing he can't do. Sing it out now. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that he can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes the way. There's nothing that our God can do. Oh, there's nothing that our God can do. There's not a prison wall he can't break through. Oh, praise the name that makes the way. There's nothing that our God believe that and I'm grateful for that. Well, before we head into our next song here, I want to share with you a few words from a devotional that I read this week. And uh, you want to have have a seat just for a second. It says this, it says, you know, when difficulties arise, we can often wonder how God can allow such things to happen. Is God really in control? Can he be trusted? And it's important to recognize, the devotional said, that God dwells in a different realm than you and me. God said to Isaiah, just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. That's in Isaiah 55. How vital then is it that we pray armed with the knowledge that God's ways and thoughts are higher than ours. And he has chosen to bend near toward earth to see our sorrow and hear our prayers, though we may not be able to see his purpose or his plan at first. The Lord of heaven is on his throne and is in firm control of the universe and our lives. So my prayer is that this next song encourages you to renew your trust in our trustworthy God. This is called This We Know. Peace 
in the darkest day remains. Jesus. And this we know. This we know. We will see the enemy run. This we know. We will see the victory come. And we hold on to every promise you've ever made. Jesus, you are unfailing. You're our guide, Lord. Our guide through the wilderness. Our joy in the heaviness. Our way when it seems there is no way. Jesus. And this we know. This we know. We will see the enemy run. This we know. We will see the victory come. And we hold on to every promise ever made. Jesus, you are unfailing. Oh, yes, you are. And we trust you, God. We trust you. We trust you. Your ways are higher than our own. We trust you. We trust you. Your ways are higher than our own. We trust. We trust you. Lord, we trust you. Your ways. Your ways are higher than our own. Oh, we trust you. Jesus, we trust you. Your ways are higher than our own. This we know, we will see the enemy run. This we know, we will see the victory come. And we hold on to every promise you've ever made. Jesus, you are unfailing. Jesus, you. Jesus, you are unfailing. Oh, Jesus, you are unfailing. All right, amen. Well, we're going to do something right now we haven't been able to do for a while. We're going to take a moment or two to greet the folks around us. And then we'll have one more worship tune to do together. So take a moment or two to say hi to the people around you. And if there's someone you hear that you haven't met yet, make sure you give them a a hearty welcome as well. And we'll continue with our worship in just a second. Good morning. 
Oh, yeah. I wish I got more time there, but... Okay. All right, folks, let's make our way back to our seats here. So wonderful to see all of you connecting. I love it. And this is a song that we haven't done in quite a while, but it's something that celebrates a powerful thing. celebrates the never-ending, overwhelming, reckless love of God. How many of you are thankful for God's love today? All right, Kayla's going to take the first verse here. Here we go.
no shadow. There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up. Coming after me. No wall you won't kick down. Lie you won't tear down. Coming after me. No shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up. Coming after me. No wall you won't tear down. Lie you won't tear down. Coming after me. Let's pray together, church. Father, we thank you so much for your overwhelming, never-ending, and reckless love. Thank you so much for pursuing us, for saving us. As the lyrics said, we can't earn it, we don't deserve it, and yet you chose. You chose to give your son for us. And we are eternally grateful. And we love you and pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You can have a seat for a second. Uh, Dan Mickle is going to share from the book of Galatians with us before Pastor Gary comes up. Good morning. Man, I just didn't want to stop that last song. We should have done that again. I agree. I All agree. right. Well, we are reading in Ephesians. Just kidding. <laughs> Stand if you're paying attention. Welcome out there in Facebook land and YouTube. Uh, Galatians 5. Starting at verse 13, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. You know, all those laws that we had in the Old Testament, all hundreds of those, right? 600. We got one law, one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature's, nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. So that you do not want, do not, I'm sorry, so you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not le- led under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Gary's going to talk about that in a second. Against such things there is no law. I'm not used to these Bibles. You've got to turn the pages, you know. Give me a second. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you, Lord, for your gifts of the Spirit, the fruits. I pray, Lord, that you help us, lead us by our gifts of the Spirit and not our sinful desires of the flesh. I pray, Lord, that we're open to Gary's message this morning. We receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Emmett. Appreciate you being with us today. Isn't that great? We get the Emmett Smith is not only, uh, he's our, our scripture reader for us today, but he's also our drummer. And uh, you look a lot different in person than watching you on TV. Okay. That's a TV. All right. All right. So, all right. Fantastic. Oh, wait a second. Today's kind of a, kind of a special day. I mean... Every Sunday is a special day. I mean, Sunday is a day for worship, so it should be special. But today, today is also Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, so I'm just curious, uh, how many of you are rooting for the Bengals today? Anybody rooting for the Bengals? Joe Burrows, okay, okay. Any of you reading? Okay, all right. So we got a few of us rooting for. How about Matthew Stanford, uh, Stafford? Excuse me, Stafford and uh, the LA Rams. Anybody rooting for them? Yeah, yeah, right, okay, our SoCal people, all right, all right, any of you just really don't give a rip, all right, Rich, a couple of others, Terry back here, Pat, all right, all right, so I'm going to pray for y'all, no, I'm just kidding, uh, actually, you know what, I'm kind of excited about watching this, I, I, I'm wanting to get out, get a little bike ride in before uh, the game, but I'm really looking forward to just, uh, after my bike ride, lying Laying, lying, laying, whatever. Lying is deceiving. Okay, laying on the couch in my bike gear, uh, watching the Super Bowl with the volume turned up, enjoying the other room with her women's Bible study group going. So we'll see how all that goes, but uh, looking forward to that. You know, we're, we're doing a series right now, and it's called, um, it's called Life in the Spirit. And uh, part of what prompted this, well, uh, before I get into that, just very, very quickly, uh, again, uh, Emmett read for us, uh, A.K. Dan uh, read for us. So I say, walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh or the sinful nature. And it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. Now, let me pause right there for a moment. Okay? There's more to the fruit of the Spirit than kindness. But kindness is huge. So, so real quick, this is not a part of my message, not a part of my script, but just I want to get this said. The word kindness the word kindness is used a lot in the scriptures. And the word here, are, are you ready? Y'all want to learn Greek today? Okay, all right. Here, your Greek word for today, Christotes. Okay? Christ, okay, can you say that? Yeah, you sound, you, you sound better than I did. Okay? Christotes. Okay? And uh, it's, it's a pretty cool word. It's a pretty cool word. Now I'm going to give you a Hebrew lesson. Would you all like to learn Hebrew today? Okay, can you, okay, so you've got to pretend like you're clearing your throat here, all right? Okay, are you ready? Kesed, okay? I, I, I can't say it right. Kesed, I'll, I'll just say it the Arkansas way, Kesed, okay? But if you're really a Hebrew, you kind of have this, like you're 
clearing your throat kind of a thing, which I probably shouldn't do since I don't have a mask on, COVID. <laughs> Carolyn's like, amen, okay? <laughs> I'll move over to this side. So anyway, anyway, why this word, these words are so important is because kindness, as it's used both in the New Testament and the Old Testament, um, it has, it's used interchangeably sometimes with another very, very important word. It's called grace. It's called grace, okay? And without the grace of God, none of us would be here today. And some people, they look in the Old Testament and they think the Old Testament is all about this angry God and judgment. And the New Testament is all about grace and God's love. And this is to misunderstand the Old Testament and the New Testament. Because over and over and over again, in the Old Testament scriptures, it speaks to us about God's kesed. His sometimes translated as enduring love, sometimes as kindness, sometimes as, uh, as, as loving kindness. That's not really a word in English, but it's kind of a word that's been made up that tries to capture kind of the fullness of the meaning uh, of, of that word kesed. But, but it is... Um, it, it's, it's, in fact, it's so important in the Old Testament that, that one of the psalmists in Psalm 131, he goes through and he talks about God's faithful love for Israel and his kindness towards Israel in 26 times in one chapter of the Bible. He says it over and over again. Why does he say it again and again? Because we just don't get it. His loving kindness endures forever. You know what that means? It means it is absolutely inexhaustible. Now, some of us are like, well, isn't saying it once enough? And the truth is, really isn't. Because we, really, we, just, kind of, we just kind of read right past it, read through the psalm, and don't sometimes internalize the truth of God's loving kindness and his grace towards us. Kindness in our world today, kindness is in short supply. It is. Kindness is in short supply. That, that uh, There is a lot of angry rhetoric in our politics. Would, would you all agree with that? Yeah, there's a lot of angry words in our politics. There is a, there's a lot of uh, anger in news media. Uh, and sometimes it even feeds our anger. Would, would, would you agree with that? And in fact, I would even say there's a lot of angry rhetoric, even in what's being posted by some Christians on social media. But the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. At some point, we as Christians have to get over being offended by the world. And we have to do what Jesus does. We have to do what God does, for God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he did what? He moves towards the world. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. You see, it is God's kindness towards us, his grace towards us that caused him. He does not recoil from us in disgust. He moves towards us with kindness, with grace, with love, with mercy. 
uh, this is part of the reason why I'm doing this spiritual growth challenge with you guys, Life in the Spirit, based upon Galatians 5, 13 through 26. Back in October, I, I've shared this with you, but I was sitting with a friend of mine. His name is, is Craig, and Craig pastors a church up in, in Sacramento called Arcade. A really, really good church. Craig's a really good guy. And we were up and we one morning and we were reading the, the we were downstairs drinking coffee together and we were talking. And I just said, hey, Craig, what's the... Uh, uh, what are you preaching on these days? That, it's preacher talk. We do it all the time. We want to know, what's, what, what are you preaching? Because we're always looking for someone who's got a good idea that we can steal. I mean, borrow. Uh, and uh, so I was asking, what are you preaching on? And he says, well, I'm preaching on the fruit of the Spirit. And I said, well, why? He says, because I just see so much anger. I see it in our church. I see it in Christians across the country. I, I just don't feel like I'm seeing a lot of the, the kindness and the mercy and the grace and the gentleness of God. They're supposed to characterize the Christ life of what it means to follow Jesus. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I have to preach. I have to preach that, too. I'm not preaching his messages. I'm preaching the scriptures. But it really encouraged me. Yesterday, I was, you know, I've been preparing, thinking about this message for a while. But yesterday, I just asked Joy. I asked her, I said, what do the people of our church need to hear from me? about kindness. And this is what Joy said. She said that kindness is how people see the love of God in us. Do you believe that? It's not contempt that people see the love of God in us. It's not in condemnation that people see the love of God in us. It's not by, I don't know, it's not by being caustic and hateful that people see the love of God in us. It's kindness. People need to see the love of God in us before they hear about the love of God from us. Tuesday morning, I thought, well, you've got to get an early start on this message because I didn't do it on Monday. <laughs> I thought you've got to get an early start on this message and you've got to get to work. And so what I had, I needed to come by the church, take care of a couple of things, and I was going to walk across the street to Starbucks and work on my message some, and I was going to meet a friend of mine over there who's just going to be, uh, we were going to be, he is going to be reading the scriptures, I was going to be working on my message. But when I came up to the church, I walked up to the little office door where we enter, and you have to punch in the alarm, all that kind of good stuff. And I walked up to the door, and I was just overwhelmed by the stench of urine and the man lying on the sidewalk beside the door, wrapped in a blanket, sleeping. It just was overwhelming. It was overpowering. It was like I could smell him from my car in the parking lot to him by the door. And so I, I, I walked up, and I said, This is the church. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I just kind of ignored him. I ignored him because what do you do? What do you do? He's homeless. He smells bad. Maybe he's struggling with um, some kind of mental illness. Maybe a lot of homeless people do. It's hard to really help them when they don't have the right meds. Maybe it's a mental illness. Maybe he's stuck in addiction. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I just saw him and looked at him asleep, covered by a blanket, and I thought, 
I don't even know how to begin to help this guy. How, how do you help someone like this? And so I'm thinking, okay, I've got to get my stuff done. I've got to get to work on my message on kindness. So I went in, did my thing, left, went to Starbucks, and began reading about kindness. And I got two paragraphs into this book, and I thought, oh, my goodness, I can't even concentrate on what I'm reading. I thought, how can I sit here and work on a sermon without showing kindness to another human being? Showing kindness to him because he needs kindness. Showing kindness to him because he's created in the image of God. By the way, every time we're unkind to a person, we are unkind to a person who is created in the image of God, who bears the image of God. I didn't know what to do, so I just bought him a sandwich, one of those little paninis over at Starbucks, had them heated up, and I ran across the street, and I went up to him, and I just said, hey, you know, uh, sorry, don't want to disturb you, but I didn't want you to wake up and not have something to eat. I just gave him the sandwich and went back to my work. Uh, I, I don't think kindness has to be complicated. I don't. I think sometimes kindness is is costly, but I don't think it's always usually costly. Um, I, I, did I say this? I don't think it has to be complicated. It doesn't have to be complicated. Uh, I just this is what I know that I, I I I don't think kindness has to be complicated, but I do think I do think maybe not for you, but for me, it has to be practiced. I mean, yes, that I'm putting it into practice, but what I'm also saying is it has to be practiced. That I put it into practice, yes, but I'm saying that. But that's not the point I'm trying to make here. It has to be practiced. I have to practice it. There's some guys today, they're going to be in the Super Bowl. Guess what? Today is not the first time they've played football. Did you know that? I bet you some of you didn't know that today. They're playing the Super Bowl. Some of these guys... They've actually played football before. By the way, guess what? They practiced it before they played it. And so what I know about me is I have to practice kindness until, um, until I practice kindness without even thinking about it. Does, does that make sense? Um. You know, sometimes I fail miserably at kindness. I do. I do. Sometimes I fail miserably. Uh, so I have to own it when I fail. And then I have to get back to work on practicing kindness. That's just me. So what about you? What about you? How are you doing at intentionally practicing kindness? Now, this morning, what I want to do with you is, is I, I don't want to just drill down on one text of Scripture. I want to do a little bit of a survey. This part of the fruit of the Spirit is kind of hard to drill down on one text. Like if you're talking about love, you can go to 1 John chapter 4. You can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Very, very easy to develop messages. Well, not easy, but easier to develop messages based on a text like that. With kindness, you see it sprinkled everywhere throughout the Scripture. It's kind of like salt. You know, it's, it's just sprinkled throughout the scriptures. It adds flavor 
to what we know about God and what it means to follow Jesus. So first, let's, let's look at what the Bible says about kindness. Let's look at it in the wisdom of the Proverbs. Proverbs eleven seventeen says this, those who are kind benefit themselves. Do you see that? Oh, did you know it actually benefits you to be kind to others? Well, I mean, obviously it should benefit the other person, but it actually is good for us to actually practice kindness. It's kind of like exercise. Exercise is good for you. It's not always easy, but it's good for you. That those who are kind benefit themselves. Proverbs fourteen twenty one says, blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. Hey, by the way, Think about all the things that you could want to be true of yourself. Maybe you're, you know, guys, handsome, ladies, you're beautiful, or you're rich, or you're famous, or you're powerful, or you're whatever. You're excelling in your career field. Whatever it is you could desire. Can you think of anything that would be better than being blessed by God? Anybody want to be blessed? Well, blessed is the one who is kind to the needy, to the needy. The person who needs your kindness. Uh, let's look at let's look at um, let's look at the kindness. What, what the Bible says about kindness in the preaching of the prophets. Micah six eight says this. This is kind of a famous text. A lot of people like to quote it. Uh, he has told you, mortal one. You know what the mortal one is? That's you and me. We we are mortals. God is immortal, but we are mortals. And 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 what God is telling us here is that that. He has told us as mortals what he really desires of you and me. He has told you, mortal one, what is good, what is desirable. Uh, And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice? Justice is important. Anytime we see injustice in our society, we need to stand up for what is right. We cannot just gloss it over and pretend like it's no big deal. But we've got to speak up for what is right. So he says, says, do justice to love kindness. You see that? See that word, kindness? It's that word, kesed, I was telling you about earlier. It's It's God's grace towards you and me. But it's supposed to also be our grace towards other people around us who desperately need grace. What does the Lord require of you and me? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. Mm. Loving kindness and living kindly is an essential part of what it means to follow Jesus and to live the, the Christ life. The Christ life. The life of Jesus. And the teaching uh, of Jesus and the Gospels. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 25. It is, oh man. The, the, Matthew 25 is one of those texts of scripture that just... When I read it, I'm like, it kind of scares me just a little bit. Because I want to be one of the sheep, not one of the goats. All right? And the difference between the sheep and the goats is this. The sheep show kindness. The goats don't. The sheep enter the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. The goats enter everlasting, eternal torment, according to Jesus. Jesus says this about kindness in Matthew 25. In verse 34, he says, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And then he says this. This is why. Because I was hungry and you fed me. 
Because I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Because I was naked and you clothed me. Because I was sick and you helped me. I was imprisoned and you came to see me. And then Jesus says this. He says this. He says, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did for me. How important is kindness? Everything that we do in kindness to another person is kindness to Jesus. Wow. You know what? I, I read this is not a part of my message, but I read this this week and it was just it, it just blew me away. Blew me away. And I don't remember the guy's name. He is a Romanian pastor. He wrote this book years ago. I, I remember seeing the book, never read it, but it's called Tortured for Christ. Any of y'all ever heard of that book, Tortured for Christ? None of you? Okay. Romanian pastor. Romanian pastor. And, um, you know, um, brought up Jewish family, uh, lived in, well, grew up uh, first in Romania, but then family moved to Istanbul. Uh, and then when his father died, they returned back to Romania. Um, he lived through World War II. He helped Jews during World War II. He became a Christian. Uh, he became first an Anglican priest, then a Lutheran priest. And, uh, but but uh, he, he had this experience. He, when he was in prison, he was in prison off and on for about 12 years. His dungeon cell was about 12 feet underground. 12 feet underground. He, he was, uh, there was, there were no windows. There was no light. There was no light. Even the guards, they had felt on their shoes, shoes so there was no sound. Just total darkness and silence. Twelve years. How do you not go mad? He'd sleep through the days, and at night he would compose sermons in his head and preach them. And that was his rhythm, day in and day out. He would go in, he would be tortured. Uh, I read about a few of the things that were done to him, and I'm not going to describe all that to us today because you don't, it doesn't really serve a purpose to, to, to describe it, but it was just horrific suffering and pain. And he talks about on this one occasion that he had, um, he returned after being tortured, and he wrapped himself in his blanket because he was freezing. Romania gets cold in the winter times. And, and he was wrapped in his blanket, and he saw a man across from him, freezing with no blanket. And so he says that he hugged it, held it close around his body, even tighter. And then he thought to himself, if that person across from me, who's freezing without a blanket, were Jesus, would I give him my blanket? And he thought, well, yes, I would. So he took his blanket and gave it to the other person. And then he began to work on a book in his head that he later wrote called, Would I Give My Blanket to Another Person If They Were Jesus? That's the title of the book. I'm like, okay. Uh, Great story, title, probably needs a little work, okay? But... uh, when we show kindness to another person, that's exactly what we're doing. We're showing kindness to Jesus. Mm, where am I at? I have no clue. 
What, what scripture verses have I read? Uh, Matthew, sorry, okay. Uh, what does the Bible teach us about kindness? Colossians chapter 3. Scripture says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You see kindness in there? Along with compassion, humility, gentleness, and patience. That's what God is wanting for you, for me. What is kindness? Real quick. This is my definition. doesn't have to be your definition. You may hate it. I like it. But that's because it's mine. i got to write it. Kindness is more than being nice or pleasant. Okay? A lot of Christians are really good at being nice and pleasant. No, no, no. Don't, don't, don't think that you're kind because you're nice or pleasant. All of us know how to put on a little charm when we need to. Okay? Well, if you're an extrovert, you do. If you're an introvert, you have to work on it a little harder. Okay? But, but if you're from the South, being nice, being nice is like, sometimes it's being contemptuous. Okay? It, it's like we're nice instead of being kind. Okay? So we're not talking about just being nice. We're talking about kindness. Kindness is the quality of being gracious, merciful, considerate, helpful, generous, and caring of another. It is the sincere and voluntary use of one's time, talents, and resources, a blanket, to better the lives of others. Kindness is doing for another person what we'd want them to do for us if we were in the same situation. You see, kindness is a lot like grace and mercy. So why is kindness important? Man, um, pray for me that I get through this story. Give me grace. Some of you may have heard or read this story before. It's my understanding it's a true story. I have lost it. I lost the story, so I lost its documentation. I like to always document my stories. I read this, though, probably 25 years ago, and I've just never forgotten it. It's a story about a teacher, we'll call her Miss Jones, and a boy, we'll call him Sam, just so it doesn't get too confusing. Um, but um, Sam was a little boy that um, none of the other children liked. Do you know children like that? Sam was a little boy that none of the other children liked. He seldom paid attention to his teacher. Uh, his teacher. He was somber, gloomy, and reserved. He didn't participate in classroom discussions or turn, uh, turn in his homework. He, Miss um, Jones, she really found it difficult to be patient with Sam sometimes. You know what? Being a teacher is hard. Even if you're a good person, it's hard. Those of you who are teachers out here, you're doing one of the most hardest jobs there is to be done. Okay? Police officers do one of the others, Chuck. But you're doing a hard job and you're doing a good work. So, you know, Miss Jones, she is a good person, but she found it difficult to be patient with Sam at times. Uh, over time, she even found, she hated to admit it, but she actually found a little bit of pleasure in giving Sam bad grades uh, on his poor workmanship, on his test. Uh, one day, she looked up Sam's record from a previous year, and she began to read notations from another teacher about Sam. 
His former teacher described Sam saying, Sam is eager to learn, cooperative, happy, and a joy to teach. And this young self, are we talking about the same kid? Uh, Miss Jones um, began to notice, though, over time as she was reading through the notes, the notes began to change. Sam's schoolwork has begun to suffer since his mom became sick. Uh, another note said, Sam's mom is getting sicker and Sam seems to have, to have lost a smile. Another note said, Sam's mom has been diagnosed as having stage 4 cancer. Another note said, Sam missed several days of school last week. Today I received the news that Sam's mom passed away. After Miss Jones read the words, she put down the file and wept. Miss Jones changed that day. She changed the way she began to treat Sam. She, she was more patient. She was more understanding, sincerely understanding. She engaged him when he would sit alone at the lunch table and during recess. Little by little, Sam began to change. He even began to smile. He began to do his schoolwork. He listened better as Miss Jones taught. During the week of Valentine's Day, Many of the children had brought their teacher a Valentine's Day card. That's what little kids do. Uh, but Sam brought her a present. He brought her a present. When she opened the box, there was, uh, it contained a bottle of perfume, partially used and some costume jewelry that had belonged to Sam's mother. The other children laughed. But Miss Jones put on some of the perfume and jewelry and wore it proudly. She told Sam how much she appreciated the present. And when all the, cool, the kids left after school that day, Miss Jones cried again. The rest of the year, Sam's participation in class and schoolwork continued to improve. Every year, year after year, Sam would always return from time to time to Miss Jones, her class, to visit her. Many years passed, but every year, Sam would continue to return, even as a young adult. One day, Sam returned to tell Miss Jones... That he was engaged. And he asked her if she would come to the wedding. He asked her if she would come to the wedding. Sorry. He asked her if she would come to the wedding and sit in the place of honor reserved for the mother. 
Miss Jones went to the wedding. And she wore the jewelry and the perfume that Sam had given her so many years before. Kindness matters. Kindness matters because people matter. And people need kindness. The only reason any of us are here today and still breathing is because of the kindness of God. What is the Bible? Um, well, what what does kindness look like? What happens when we show kindness to another another person? And let me tell you one more story. Come straight from the scriptures. Can I do this? Okay. Um, many of you know the story of Ruth, and uh, but for anybody who's unfamiliar, let me just kind of familiarize people. In the days when judges ruled, there was a famine in the land of Judah. Elimelech and his wife Naomi, who were from Bethlehem, decided to leave to Moab, with their, which was a pagan country, people who served a pagan gods. They decided to move to Moab because there was food there. And they, they went there with their two sons, Malon and Kilion, because, uh, because they, there was the famine in Judah. In time, Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. She took wives for each of her sons, Moabite women, pagan women from a pagan culture, serving pagan, pagan gods. Their names were Orpah and Ruth. After about 10 years, the Bible tells us, Malon and Kilion also died. And say, so Naomi was left without her two sons and husband. Now, Naomi heard that the famine had ceased in Judah and people had food to eat, so she decided to return to Bethlehem. Naomi instructed her two daughters-in-law to return to their families. And she said this. She said this. May the Lord show you kesed. May the Lord show you kesed. May the Lord show you kindness. As you have shown kesed to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Naomi wept and kissed her two daughters, daughters-in-law goodbye. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, Naomi, goodbye and returned to her family. But Ruth clung to Naomi and said, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Uh, Your people, the nation of Israel, will be my people. And your God, the one true God, will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I'll be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. And Ruth showed Kesed to Naomi and went with her. 
Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side named Boaz. And Ruth said to Naomi, I will go into the fields and glean grain that we may eat. And the field she went to happened to belong to Boaz. When Boaz came to visit to see how the harvest was going, he saw Ruth. And of course, in a small community, you know everybody. You know everybody. It's a small community, maybe 600 people. But he sees someone he doesn't know. He sees Ruth. And so he goes to his, the overseer who oversees Boaz's property for him. And he asks, who is this woman? And, um, and the overseer says this. She is the Moabite daughter-in-law of Naomi. Except for a short rest earlier today, she has worked exceptionally hard all day long to gather all the grain that she could. And so uh, Boaz went to, to Ruth and he said this. My daughter, listen to me. By the way, a widowed woman in the time of the judges was a target. Anything you can imagine, she was a target. She was helpless. Often exploited these widows, especially when they were young and beautiful. My daughter, listen to me, says Boaz. Do not glean, do not go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work, who work for me. Uh, watch the field where the men are harvesting. Follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Kesed. Kindness. Protection. Provision. For a widow. At this she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked, she asked him, why, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner, a Moabite? And Boaz replied, I've been told about all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. And how you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, on whose wings you have come to take refuge. And Ruth replied, May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. Like every good Hallmark movie, I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek. Like every good Hallmark movie, Ruth and Boaz fell in love, got married, and lived happily ever after, right? Okay, it didn't happen exactly like that, but you get the idea. This is what you have to see, though. This is not a, this is not a book about romance. This is a book about Kesed. It is about the Kesed that Ruth showed to Naomi. It is about the Kesed that Boaz showed to Ruth. It is a book that is about the Kesed that God shows to the people of Israel. It is the story about 
the kesed of God for every person in this room. Do you see what's happening in this story? It is like a domino that sets cascading a bunch of dominoes in a way that had it not happened, you would not be here right now. And you would be without grace and mercy. Did you know that? You see that, that Ruth was the instrumental cause that God used. Her kesed was the instrumental uh, uh, um, Ruth's kindness was the instrumental cause that God used. Uh, that Boaz, his kindness was the instrumental cause that God uses to set a series of events in action. Ruth shows Kesed to Naomi. Boaz shows Kesed to Ruth. Ruth and Boaz marry and have a son whose name is Obed, who has a son whose name is Jesse, who has a son whose name is David, who becomes king of Israel, who has a son through uh, his descendant, Mary, who gives birth to the Savior of the world. The kindness of God for you and me. Never underestimate the power of your kindness to set a series of events into action that can change the world. Does one person's kindness matter? Far more than we could ever understand on the side of eternity. Let me leave you with a word of scripture. I'm going to go ahead and ask the worship team to go ahead and come on back up if you don't mind. Uh, why does kindness matter? The Bible says this. But when the kindness... You see that word? You see that word up there? But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. You see kindness and love? But when the kindness and love, it's like grace... But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. It's because of the kindness of God that we are saved. And when we show the kindness of God to others, God can use us to be the instrumental cause of leading our community to saving faith in Christ. Let me say this again, because let me tell you, that this is really important. God has shown us kindness. Did you know that when we show kindness to other people, God can use that to create in people a stirring, a yearning to know more about the God that we say we serve and worship. Kindness is in short supply these days. 
there's a lot of angry rhetoric in our politics, news media, even on social media. But your kindness matters every day with every person you meet. It can matter in the life of a boy like Sam. It can matter in the life of a woman who's lost her husband and two sons. It can matter in the lives of people that fill all the spaces of your life every week. When people see our kindness, they see the kindness of God. They see the gospel in action. They see what grace looks like. They see They see grace walking around. They see grace on two legs. They see grace incarnate. And they see Jesus in you and me when we are kind. Does kindness matter? Absolutely. Let's pray. God, we worship you. We praise you. We give you thanks. Because your loving kindness, your kesed, endures forever. God, help us to receive freely of your kindness and to freely show kindness to other people. Uh, to the people who need it most. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Gary, thank you so, so very much. Hope you were inspired and encouraged this morning. Boy, I sure was by, uh, by that message. And... Um, Kindness matters because people matter and people need kindness. That's my key takeaway. I'm going to post that on Facebook today, on everything. Instagram, Twitter, MySpace. Just kidding. No, seriously, at everything. And um, so thank you, Gary, so much uh, for all that you did to prepare for that and to deliver that. Uh, before we uh, finish uh, today, we're going to, um, I just want to remind you about something very important that we're actually reminding uh, you about every week, and that is uh, the main components, the main parts of our spiritual growth challenge, our life in the spirit, spiritual growth challenge, uh, reminding you to make Sunday morning worship priority. It's so great to see so many of your faces here today, and I thank you for doing that. And um, to be reading the Bible every day, to be spending time with God's Word, in God's Word every day. You can't get to know someone unless you spend time with them. So make that a priority as well. Praying Galatians 5, 13 to 26 every day for you, for your family, and for our church. And then joining a small group if you haven't already. There are a few going on and you can find out more information about them on our app, and on our website. And speaking of kindness, we're going to worship God through our our giving. And I want to thank you for how kind so many of you have been in your generosity and in your sacrificial giving for this church and for our mission to make disciples. I thank you so much for that there. And I want to remind you about the few different ways that you can give. One is uh, by visiting our website, which I just mentioned, slonavalley.org forward slash giving. 
You can also uh, tap the Give button on the SVC app, and it'll take you through the steps to do that. You can send a check to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, California, 94534. You can also text the word GIVE to 707-883-3019. And finally, if you're here in person, you can uh, put your offering in the silver mail slot that is uh, behind the sound booth, or as Jet said a few weeks ago, just shove the money down there. I don't know if you remember him saying that, but... uh, that was the highlight of my whole day when, uh, when Chet did that. So uh, speaking of uh, kindness, I also um, want to, you know, we stand on the shoulders of our volunteers here. And I want to thank, uh, thank the Spreadberries for launching our coffee ministry again today. And I, I see many of you have already taken advantage of that. Thank you. And I want to thank... Sharon Lynch for relaunching our refreshments today. Thank you, Sharon. Little little sense of normalcy feels good, right? Yeah, especially the greeting time earlier as well. Well, I want to invite you to stand right now. And um, we had one song planned for our um, our closing song, but it was suggested that we do Reckless Love again. And I'm reminded of that lyric uh, in the second verse. Uh, where it says, uh, when I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so, so kind to me. That's the heart and the nature of Jesus. So let's, uh, let's do that song one more time and close it out that way. me. 
matters because people matter and people need kindness. Choose kindness every day this week and we'll see you next time.